Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Roof Connections Podcast. My name is David Hubal and I'll be your host. Today is a very special episode. I am joined today uh, by a co-host that you all know. His name is Wade Crosswhite. He is the Vice President of Sales at Roof Connect. And he's joined me to co-host uh, for a special guest we have today. Uh, we are joined by a former Army Ranger, leadership mentor, entrepreneur, and author, retired Sergeant Major J.B. Spizzo. Am I saying that right? You, you are, J.B. Spizzo. Perfect. Thank nice. you. David, Wade, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Uh, like we said a second ago, we're excited to have you here. We both, uh, we recently both read your book, uh, Warrior Leadership, Steps to Success for Leadership on the Ground. Uh, we thought that was great. We're going to get into that a little bit later. We're going to talk to you a little bit, get into your background a little bit. Uh, I know Wade's got a couple of questions for you too, so we'll get right into this. So, uh, JB, you have a long story career in the military, starting back in what 1984, right? Correct. Including uh, you did 10 years with the 75th Ranger Regiment, which is very hua, by the way. <laughs> uh, you uh, you retired after 26 years uh, with the highest non-commissioned officer rank of sergeant major uh, i haven't served in the army myself i know that many of the factors both internal and external play a role in choosing uh why you why you choose to serve can you tell us a little bit about why you joined and what was it about the military that made you stay in and, and go through all the way and make it a career yeah wonderful question there david um and thank you for your service as a veteran as well um, you know, I initially joined the military one, you know, for the college fund, I, I wanted to do some service. Uh, you know, I was a, I was a pretty good student in high school, pretty good athlete. And I just felt like, um, I needed a bridge before I dove into that college experience. Um, you know, I say it often that, I, you know, I, I aspired to be a, um, a high school history teacher, coach hockey and baseball. That was kind of my thought of what I was going to do. Um, and I thought the bridge of the military would be, would be a good start for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, but, uh, I don't know how it was when you joined, but I, I didn't know a whole lot about the military. Yes. My father was a world war II veteran and, you know, we would go to, he would introduce me to some of his friends at the VFW and that sort of thing, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, yeah. and so, uh, you know, there weren't the programs that there are today, you know, to help prepare people, um, uh, for, for going in. Um, a friend of mine, Jason Sweet, uh, he runs this, he's a former uh, Air Force PJ. He runs this program called SOCOM Athlete. So if you're basically thinking about enlisting in special operations in any of the branches, like he'll run you through this program and, and, and get you mentally and physically ready. It's genius. I didn't, yeah. know, anything, I didn't know anything about that. Uh, so, you, you know, with, with help of the recruiter, I, you know, end up, uh, you know, infantry, airborne school, and, and have a ranger contract. And, um, you know, I tell the story, you know, the first time uh, I show up at, you know, Fort Benning, Georgia, I think that was the first time I might even have been out of my state of Pennsylvania, right? And, uh, yeah. and you know, now it's, um, you know, with uh, August 9th, 1984, I show up to Fort Benning, Georgia. I could have been on Mars. <laughs> I didn't know where I was. I can relate. And you can relate. <laughs> exactly, right? So I was like, Wow, this is humidity. Um, so, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have uh, good leaders, even from the, you know, my drill instructors. I talk about them. Like, um, you know, they saw something in me that I obviously didn't see. And then went through that process of infantry school, airborne school, 
and then to Ranger Indoctrination Program. And that, um, you know, was my, my second uh, initial test of, wow, this is for real, because uh, that was a complete different program. I remember showing up in the, in the senior sergeant, like he stood out on this uh, like little balcony. We're all standing information, about 150 of us. And he said, I don't care if any of you make it. And, mm-hmm. and I believed him, <laughs> like, yep. you know, he was like, I don't care if any of you make it. No. So, um, I was like, great, here we go. Um, and fortunately you know, I, I, you know, I made it through there and then, uh, you know, showing to the Ranger regiment, um, uh, I give a lot of credit to, you know, my first squad leader, you know, Hugh Roberts, who ended up being the Ranger regimental Sergeant major. Uh, it was funny. He actually, uh, shot this picture for the back of my book. Uh, oh really? So, yeah, he's uh he's a photographer now and his his retirement. He's a photographer and and um uh, I had some professional photos done in studio and then I had these photos done by him and my editor actually liked like those photos better. So yeah. we we stuck it on a book and gave him credit. So um he can say he's published now though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, y- y- you know so you know, back to your question of, you know, did you think you would make this a career? I didn't think so. I thought I would kind of go in, I would serve, you know, get the college fund, you know, uh, you know, feel all those, uh, you know, positive traits about the military. And then of course, you know, being in the Ranger Regiment and, uh, you know, in such a great organization, I was promoted quickly. I was with, you know, the best uh, officers, NCOs and enlisted, you know, in, in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it kind of forged my foundation. I said, okay, I can, I'm pretty good at this. I enjoy it. Um, and let's, and let's see where it goes. Um, but if you had told me when I, you know, was going in, you were going to spend 26 years, I'd have said, yeah, okay. No, yeah. I told you that in the middle of rip, you would have, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. The first day of rip, I was at that, that, um, but then it also transitioned, you know, from the Ranger Regiment, um, you know, my, my first transition out of the Rangers, I became a drill instructor. And only because at that time, the Ranger Regimental Sergeant Major, uh, Hall of Fame legend, uh, Mariano Leon Guerrero, they called him Sergeant Major LG. Yeah. Uh, he said, hey, why don't you go be a drill instructor? And I was like, why would I do that? And he was like, you already know everything tactically, but you're going to learn some technical and administrative things that are going to make you a better platoon sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, that was a rude awakening too. My first day there, like, um, I, uh, I, I got to taste the humble pie. You got to remember, I show up, I'm a drill instructor. You know, I go through the drill sergeant program. I, you know, I finish top of my class. I show up to my unit, you know, uh, I've already been to Panama, combat veteran, mustard stain, the whole thing, CIB. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 26 years old staff sergeant getting ready to make E7 already. And um, the other drill instructors were so much old, were older and wiser. Mm -hmm. And I finally had to say, I need to listen. And uh, after that initial month, you know, I shut my pie hole and uh, I listened a little bit more. And I got to tell you, I learned so much in those two years Mm -hmm. that when I did go back to the Rangers, I thought I was a better platoon sergeant. Yeah. So because of the experiences. And then, you know, of course I got to work at West Point and officer candidate school. And, and, uh, I was, uh, you know, looking back over my career, um, 
I was fortunate to have all those wonderful assignments. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned uh, Panama. Was that your first combat tour? It was my first combat tour. Sure. I was in the Ranger Regiment and, and it was for real. Like uh, somebody asked me the other day, like, did you guys jump it? How'd you guys, how'd you guys jump 500 feet? I said, no, actually it was uh, 465 feet AGL. So I have to jump over the treetops. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I didn't even check my canopy. I got out and, and I felt the opening shock and then I saw like bullets going everywhere. I said, okay, this is for real. This is for real. (laughs) (laughs) I said, this is, this is a training exercise. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, That's crazy. I can't really relate that much. I did. I was in combat in Iraq, but we weren't jumping into a hot zone. We got. It was more for us people just popping shots at us, and then they'd run off. It wasn't anything too bad. So yeah. Well, you had a lot of danger there, so you know you, yeah. you you're not uh, you're not giving yourself full credit. So yeah. Well, uh, after spending all this time in the military, did you have a uh, like a clear vision for what you were going to do when you got out when you transitioned out of the military, or how did that go? No, that's fun. Um, I really didn't. And, uh, you know, I was working at West Point about 2005, you know, the New York Rangers uh, came up for their, their camp and the hockey coach asked me, Brian Riley, Rob Riley at the time, his brother, Brian's now the coach at at West Point. And he said, Hey, uh, the Rangers want to do some type of team building. He said, go, you know, go see coach Tom Rennie, who was the New York Rangers coach at the time and figure out what they want to do. And I went and met him, never, never knew the guy, met him. We had a great conversation. He said, you know, we want to kind of do this. I said, oh, you know, like squad tactical exercise. He said, yeah, he's like, we want it to be, you know, hua, but you know, obviously we don't, we don't need to get anybody hurt or anything else. He said, no problem. Yeah. So can you can imagine me going back and getting some of the NCOs and cadets? I'm like, I'm like, you know, we're going to put a hockey team through training. They're like, yeah, you know, it was, and, um, we actually did, um, we actually did a exercise at night, um, five or six squads, probably four, five hours, middle of the night, dark in the woods, the, the whole gamut, you know, battle, march and shoot. Right. It was basically, and it was amazing. And, um, after that, the, Glenn Sather, the, uh, president and, and um, general manager of the team. He's a, he's a NHL hall of famer too. You know, he said, Hey, you're, you know, you're pretty good at this. He said, I, I see how, you know, these men look at you. He's like, you know, your advice on leadership, you know, you should think about doing this. And that's kind of how it spawned and it spawned, it spawned from there. And then of course, you know, professional teams, collegiate teams, businesses, uh, one-on-one life coaching. And so it's, um, uh, you know, I've turned it into, you know, everybody needs an accountability coach, right? Everybody wants to get to the next level where you're a, whether you're a C-suite executive or you're a professional coach or whatever else you're doing, mm-hmm. you just need somebody that you can lean on. You can call and be like, Hey, I need, I, I need a little bit of help. This, this is what I'm trying to get to hold me accountable to it. And, um, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it started. So then I educated myself more and, um, continue to do that. Um, you know, uh, probably softened my tone a little bit over the years, you know, which is, uh, you know, which is kind of a, kind of a good thing. This is probably the longest my hair's ever been, but you know, it yep. seems to, it seems to work. So <laughs> you just got to keep it clean on the sides. That's oh the yeah. Yeah. So I do. I keep it clean. Keep it clean. So, um, uh, yeah, I made sure I shaved this morning too. Cause I was looking a little scruffy. I'm like, I better shave. Dave and Wade are going to make me do push-ups. So, <laughs> so 
so, so, so that's how it came about. But, but I want to let people on your podcast know somebody else saw something in me mm-hmm. and helped guide me that way. You know, so when I work with a lot of businesses, you know, before this COVID thing, I would give seminars and people were like, how can I you know, help veterans? I would say, you know, find a veteran, hire a veteran. Well, I'm in a law firm. Fine. Send him to law school or her to law school, right? There's a lot of smart veterans out there. Find them. And so Glenn Sather saw something in me and said, you know, you can be a success at this. And then even throughout my career, uh, you know, would always call, check in. How are you doing? Do you need any help? Do I need, do I need to call somebody for you? Right? So I think that's all part of that, you know, mentorship program and how we can help people throughout our lives. Right? Because we're defined, but by what we give, not by what we take. So. No, that's great. So since you started mentoring, I guess you, this is, that's what kind of got you into mentoring was sure. I'm asking you to pull on there. Uh, what is, can you tell me about a, like a really fulfilling experience you've had as a, as a coach or as a you know, mentor, leader mentor? Well, I mean, I, um, I, I feel like I was a, you know, a small part of the Pittsburgh Penguins winning the 2009 Stanley cup. And that was, uh, you know, being in the locker room after that and, yeah. you know, drink, drinking from the Stanley cup and, and, and just being around the players and, and, and maybe just imparting a little bit of leadership on their captain, Sidney Crosby, and the rest of their team. Um, you know, those – you make, you make lifelong friends there, right? You make lifelong friends. And just, and just giving people, um, you know, avenues to continue to, to help themselves. So – and I think, you know, for teams what I bring is, you know, I'm not their coach. I'm not trying to take their spot. I'm not doing their contracts. I'm not their GM. I want to help them be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked for the Florida Panthers, the, um, I learned a lot from Dr. Derek Anderson, who's the, their sports psychologist. And, and he, he actually coined a term, you know, I do the macro, he does the micro. And so we, we were really a great, I thought a great one, two punch. And it's just, it's just helping people on their development, right? That's all it is. It's, 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 it's no different than at your office. Like, you know, somebody's, you know, showing up a little bit late, you're like, Hey, what's going on with you? You know, um, are, are those the same clothes you wore yesterday? Like what's mm-hmm. like, what's going on in your life? And I think sometimes that, you know, we have to take, um, we have to be thoughtful leaders in that sense. And sometimes when we say we want to be thoughtful leaders, we're thinking like, Oh, we can be wishy-washy or that sort of thing. No, that's not it. Um, I just told a company executive the other day because he, we he was talking about an issue and they have a standard. And I said, I said if, you, if you lower the standard, then you have no standards, right? So a wavering standard is no standard. So just don't have it then. But if you say this is, this is what's expected, then everybody must meet that. So, Yeah. That makes total sense. So, I mean, it's that's it harkens back to the military right there. Anyways, this is the standard that we you have to meet this standard to to move on or stay in. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So that's that's crazy. Um, so let's get back into let's get into your book now. Uh, so sure. last year you published it. You said it was your first book. Uh, again, first book. It, the title is Warrior Leadership: Steps to Success for Leaders on the Ground. Uh, me and Wade both read it fantastic awesome. book. I thought Thank you did you. a really good job of uh, not only like giving, like using, you, you, you gave plenty of information and examples and your own personal stories to let readers use as a guide basically in their own lives and how to, 
you know, you weren't even afraid to, you put in some of your mistakes and your failures in there because that's how you, that's really, that's how you learn the best. So uh, we've got uh, me and Wade and the team come up with, came up with a couple of questions we want to ask about your book. Uh, I'll start off the first one, then I'll let Wade jump in here. So uh, for our listeners who hadn't served in the military, what aspects of leadership overlap between like military and public or civilian sectors? Yeah, wonderful question. And I, it's funny, I was going through these when you sent them to me yesterday and like right away my mind's working. And the first thing I put is integrity, right? Yeah. And, and the military uses the word integrity, integrity. They beat and, you with it. <laughs> right, beat you with it. And, 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 and sometimes we forget, that just means being honest, right? Yep. Honest in what you say and you do. And I, I, used to, I, I like to use the quote that um, people may not always want to hear the truth, but they tend to trust those that deal in it, yep. right? So, you know, when a, when a leader's truthful with you, even if you don't like it, you, you tend to trust that person, right? And so that's it. And, and from the military to the civilian life, you know, just be upfront, hold yourself accountable. And when you make a mistake, just admit it. Yep. I, I screwed up, my bad. You know what? I shouldn't have said that you know what? I, I, I'm sorry. I need to, this, you know, I'm going to fix myself. I shouldn't have done that, whatever the case may be. Right. And, and, and many times when we make mistakes, there's no malicious intent in, in it. Yeah. Right. I mean, sometimes we just do or say dumb stuff. It happens. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and, and so, so admit it, you know, pay the consequences, get over it, learn from it and move forward. And um, so, so that's exactly what you can like learn from the military um, to civilian life. Look, there was a couple times in the military where, you know, I didn't do something completely right. And fortunately I had an officer at NCO, you know, look out for me, said, all right, you know what? Let's remediate this. Yeah. Um, so, cause we're all human beings. Oh, for sure. And I, I feel like good leaders, I've had great, some really good squad leaders that would, I would mess up or do something. And instead of, you know, you're still going to get smoked for it. You're in the military, you mess right. up, that's what's going to happen. Right. But they use it as a teaching moment to understand, okay, this is why we're doing this. You know why you're doing this mm-hmm. and make sure that you understand it's not something you're going to turn around in two weeks and do again, mm-hmm. that you don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, good leadership or good leaders will do that. They'll, mm-hmm they, they use that moment to teach. So, uh, um, wait, or go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah. I just, I, I was just saying when I was a, when I was a first sergeant at the West Point prep school, you know, we had three, uh, you know, we had three cadets, uh, cadet candidates are called there that were, um, you know, uh, downtown having a, having a few extra beverages and, you know, the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the, uh, Fort Monmouth police brought them by and, yeah. and they didn't charge them, you know, boys were just, you know, being a little rowdy. And, uh, I said, well, you can see the commandant in the morning in which case you'll be out of the Academy or, you know, you can do, you know, first sergeant remedial training, which is going to be. And so, <laughs> um, you know, so of course, you know, I smoked them and you know, they, they, they dug a couple fighting positions, that sort of thing. Uh, but I used it as the teaching tools. So they were, it was raining. And then when they were done after, you know, five hours of, uh, you know, pushing dirt. Um, I said, I said, you know, you're all going to be lieutenants. This is going to come around again. 
don't forget this teaching moment. Yeah. Don't forget you're going to one of your men in your platoon or your, when your company commander, this is going to happen. So use this as a teaching moment. And, um, it, you know, I did for them and I'm sure they've passed it on to, you know, others. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, just chiming in, uh, I, I was never in the military, and but it's it's funny how uh, I, I find that military people take ownership of stuff uh, more than non-military, and they'll kind of uh, they'll admit mistakes, and they'll put their, I, I, I sometimes wonder if, because like you said, the word integrity, it goes both ways. I think sometimes in the business world, uh, new people don't trust management enough to admit fault because they're worried about the consequences. Uh, you guys, you ever see that? I mean, you think that's uh, something from the military that you learn that, that teaches you, you can kind of trust your superiors more. Wade, that's a great statement. And I've seen it in, in business where I, I've seen it firsthand. Um, consulting for professional teams and for and for businesses where a guy's like, I'm not going to admit that mistake because you know mm -hmm. what they'll, they'll they'll use it as a reason to fire me or not renew my contract. Yeah. Right. So so pe people stay silent. Right. Yeah. Um, pe pe people don't want to disagree with the boss because you know they're they're worried about you know they're they're worried about their livelihood. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I saw it firsthand where, um, you, you know, a scout doesn't want to speak up about a certain player. I mean, he, he, he believes that, you know, we shouldn't draft this player, but he's not going to go against the general manager, right? He's not going to go against – he's just not going to do it, you know, because he, he continue has to have a livelihood. Instead of having an atmosphere where people can speak up, and regardless of what decisions are made, but people's voices are heard, right? And that's what I try to tell people – you know, pick whatever player you want, but let all the voices be heard, right? And then when that's done, everybody's on the same sheet of music about it. But 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 not letting that person's voices heard, and it's it's uh, you, you know, I've it, it's the term the go along get along business, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you want to go along get along, will you ever be great? Now. You might be very good because you have an amazing product, okay? Right? You, you know, you invented the iPhone, okay? But will you ever be great? You'll never be great unless you allow people to voice opinions, right? And to give ideas. And so I always tell C-suite executives, like, open it up, right? Even if you're the smartest guy in the room or smartest gal in the room, don't act like it. Like, listen, somebody's going to have an idea that might push you to the next level. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, I love in your book, you talked a lot about toughness, which is something I think, I've got two kids. I saw you had three in your opening up. I think that is something we don't teach enough is just toughness. And I love the way you define it, doing it the right, doing the right things, even when it, it's not popular or university, uh, something like that. I thought that was really goes back to integrity. It's doing the right thing when no one's watching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or when people are watching it and fighting against you over it, you know, and, yeah. uh, 
And, and people have to understand, and you're exactly right, Wade, you know, toughness has nothing to do with being mean, cold, callous, or insensitive. And a lot of times they'll like see that, like, David, you saw it in the army. Wade, you probably saw it growing up. You're like, you see somebody and they're like, oh, that guy's so tough. And I'm like, that guy's a prick. Like, excuse my language. Like, you know, but like, it has nothing to do with that. It has, it has to do with like, you know, you can perform at the highest level uh, despite of what's happening around you, right? And you bring all that together. Um, you know, there's a famous photo, and I use it in my briefings a lot. Uh, there's a famous photo of General Eisenhower uh, before the D-Day invasion. You've probably seen it. And he's talking to the 101st Airborne Division. They're all kitted up. They got camouflage on their face. And, and, and there he is. And he's, got like, and he's got his hands in his pockets. You know, and he's having a conversation. Here's the supreme allied commander. You know, Dwight D. Eisenhower at that time, history will tell you, probably had more influence than the president. Right. Oh yeah. And, 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 and here he is likely sending most of these men off to their death. Right. Cause obviously, you know, the D-Day invasion was, you know, one of the most complex military operations of history. Still to tell, still if today. not the most complex. <laughs> I mean, it's still taught at West Point. It's yeah. taught at West Point. There's a reason why. And, and here he was having a conversation, right? That's toughness. That's leadership. That's integrity. And, and you're exactly right, Wade. Like, I think sometimes we don't, um, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we don't talk about toughness a lot and we should, you know, um, you know, when, as your children get older and, you know, my children are now college graduates and, you know, working in, in, in life there, you know, they, they run across a, uh, you know, a, a mean boss or something else. Well, you know what, put yourself together, get back in there, do a good job. Right. And, uh, and, and keep climbing. And I think that's all, all, all a part of it. And so, um, and the other thing about toughness is like, you can learn it throughout your life, right? Like sometimes we're just trying to survive. Like when I was in RIP Ranger indoctrination program, I was just trying to survive. And then you kind of learn toughness as you go. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You actually said that all of this stuff can be learned. And, uh, I think that's, uh, I, I love that and how it's, you want to keep getting better and keep improving. So I heard you mention once, uh, JB that in, and it's true that people aren't born leaders. You learn to become a leader. It's not a talent that you, you might be born with. You learn from, from experience, from having good leaders. So oh, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And, you know, I often go to the, you know, U.S. Military Academy is an example. And, you know, they start this recruitment process when the young man or woman's a junior, right? And then we bring them to the academy for four or sometimes five years if we send them to our prep school first. Mm -hmm. And then after we're done, you know, and all this education and training and learning and developing, you know, we pin lieutenant bars on them where we go, I hope we've done enough. And then every time they get promoted, what do we do? We send them back to a leadership school, right? And so it's a constant developmental process, right? Um, of course, you know, your primary caregiver, just like toughness can imprint some of that on you, but it's really on you. It's a learned trait. And when people think, oh, that guy's a born leader or that gal's a born leader, I was like, mm, you know, that leadership's uh, developed. I was just at the dentist yesterday and um, my uh, dentist is uh, Dr. Grace Chung. And Dr. Grace Chung is a West Point graduate 
And she was also the first captain. So the first captain at West Point is the senior cadet. And so she was the first, she was the first Asian American woman to be the first captain. And it's so funny because I have not seen her in 20 years. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, first captain, you know, and she was like, Oh my God, I haven't heard that forever. But it's so wonderful to see her like leadership with her team and how, you know, everybody at her dental office loves working for her. And it's all that developmental process, right? So, so it's something like, like she's taken not just from the military, but now put into successful, you know, business life. Mm-hmm. And so it's so when I, you know, with especially young leaders, like you get these young up and coming executives or coaches and they're like, oh, and I'm like, listen, you'll learn it. Keep after it, keep studying, keep preparing. And oh, by the way, do it before you get the position, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do it before you get the position. <laughs> you know, one of our questions was what's the hardest uh, leadership trait to learn and, and what's the easiest. And, you know, I, as I was Reading your book, I was thinking, to me, toughness and listening are two big focuses in your book. And uh, they almost can be, uh, it seems like some of the people who really have toughness sometimes aren't good listeners. Uh, it's, it's almost like they are uh, inverse of each other at some point. Uh, I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be around some leaders that are great listeners right? Like, don't actually speak a lot, listen, understand. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably the, one of the toughest things is learn to be a great listener. Um, and the other thing I think in the military, the military, you know, we try to make this like hardcore man, woman, leader, you know, machine gun here, do this here, right? And then we forget the part of empathy, right? We forget that, that as a leader, you have to have empathy. And so we want to continue to do that as a leader to say, it's okay to have empathy, <laughs> right? It's okay to have a human side to you. So um, the easiest thing for a leader to do is lead by example. Like if you're not sure, just, just lead it. Follow me, right? The infantry, the infantry says, follow me. It's great, right? The Iron Mike statue, follow me. Because if you're not sure, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what I thought about when I was reading parts of your mm-hmm. book is that's immediately what popped in my head. Just that mentality, the follow me mentality of the infantry, mm-hmm. of just being a leader, like lead by example. That's sure. fantastic. Uh, you, you were talking, speaking a second ago, we were talking about how when you get promoted in the military at different levels, there's always a school they send you to. Mm-hmm. And I personally feel like that's something you they could use more of in the civilian world, not necessarily like a dedicated school, but you get put in a position where you're over some people, you're in a management position, undergo some kind of leadership training or something, even if it's just like a week long webinar, something, some find some kind of training mm-hmm. that for your employees that when you do try to build them up, mm-hmm. if you can't personally sit with them or whatever that you need to do for training, find mm-hmm. some kind of thing. What are your thoughts on that? That's wonderful. And that's actually how, you know, I bridged my business from athletics into business because I had a business executive who owned his own company who was, you know, promoting people at 20, 21, 22, you know, to, to be in charge of four people. And he realized this young man or woman, you know, maybe only had a high school diploma and had absolutely no professional leadership training. So I started consulting for them for 10 years 
you know, every quarter and doing professional leadership training for them. And that's exactly it. Like find a way um, to, to, to get your people um, uh, leadership training. Uh, it's funny because the CFO and I um, are, are, are of this company are good friends and we talk about this a lot. And uh, one question was, is he said, what if I pay for professional leadership training and my people leave? And I said, well, what if you don't and they stay? Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, here, I'll sign the contract. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, and I think sometimes that like, we just expect that, okay, you're in charge of four people. Good luck. Yep. Good luck. What? <laughs> right. Yeah. What am I doing? What am I, what, like, 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 what am I doing? And so, Yes, there are ways of doing that, um, and you should continue to develop your people. Like, and, and then all of a sudden, they feel inspired. They're like, wow, my company actually cares about me because they're paying for professional leadership training for me. I have a resource I can go to. Um, and, and, you know, you, I still have people that, you know, I, I'm, not on, uh, I'm not on contract with that still call me and, and ask me for questions, and, and I still answer, right? Just mm -hmm. Because, because you, you – you forge a foundation. You want to see them be successful and you want to see them move to the next level. And do you want to see them learn it, learn and grow? Um, it, you know, it's it and, it, and it's simple things that, that sometimes in the military we take for granted, mm -hmm. right? Because the military does have a wonderful developmental leadership process, mentoring, right? Education training. And sometimes in some, in, in the civilian world, we, we say, ah, we're not, we won't spend money on that. Yeah. So. I think uh, one of the things we do is we do a lot of education and we do a lot of reading in our company. And I, I think uh, you stress getting better and improvement. The one thing that in your book I, I found that kind of hit me in the gut was finding a mentor and an accountability partner. And, and I don't think I, anybody at our group has done a good job of that. Do you have a suggestion on how to find a mentor? Should it be somebody in your industry or should it be, you know, uh, just somebody that you kind of respect and know from a, from a looking at things from a different perspective? Wonderful question, Wade. Um, I try to find it. Uh, I, I think having somebody in your industry is important, but I also think having somebody not associated with your industry is important because now they are looking at your character and maybe your character improvements needed and, and giving you, um, you know, simple advice. Uh, you know, one of my mentors is, you know, Richard Parker, you know, we're not associated. He's a self-made millionaire businessman in Florida. Uh, you know, he doesn't do my business. I don't do his business. Uh, but every time like I do a podcast or something, I send it to him. And, you know, he, he calls me and says, okay, this is what I thought was good. This is where I think you can improve. And, uh, you know, so when, and if I have something, you know, um, I want some feedback on, I can trust him to give me some feedback. So I think that's, I think that's very, very important that you look for somebody that um, maybe doesn't tell you the answer you always want to hear. Again, right? You, tr yep. you know, you, you, you trust those that deal in the truth. Yeah, good point. So would, you know, to go about this, uh, 
would you just, I mean, like, did you just call him up and I assume you knew him before and just say, Hey, would, could we go into some kind of mentorship and do y'all have scheduled meetings or is it just kind of random? Yeah. So with me, with him, um, it's just a lot of text messaging and then calls and then emails and it could, it could go quiet for a few weeks and, and then back on. Um, I know you know, what I do is I am an accountability life coach for a lot of people, a lot of business executives and I schedule my calls with them, right? So I do either a weekly or bi-weekly, um, usually 30 or 45 minutes, a lot of times Zoom, and, um, and, and I go over their plan, what, what, they're, what they're working on. I got, um, um, you know, I have one after this call, I got another one tomorrow, I had one on Monday. And so what you do is you just, you know, you, you help people with their, with their goal setting. Um, and, you know, it's frankly like with one, I was like, well, you said you would do this four weeks ago. You haven't done it. Why, why haven't you? What's, you know, and then the guy would be like, oh, well, I'm like, okay, so we're making excuses. <laughs> and it's a little bit funny, but then it's like, he's like, you're right. I'm, I'm going to fix it. I'm like, awesome. And so I think that's very, very, very important to do um, because, you know, you, you, you want to get better. You want to continue to climb. You want to Im improve your, you know, your, your skill set. And a lot of times leaders, we don't like to take feedback, right? Especially if you're in an executive position where, you know, there's a lot of people under you. So you can't take feedback from, you know, somebody else, but you can go to an independent source and get feedback. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Oh yeah, because you, you know, yeah. Yeah. as an executive, sometimes I get bad feedback from the people because they don't want me to hold them accountable. And of you know, it's like you said, if, if all the people under you uh, like you, chances are you're not doing everything. You're not holding them accountable all the time. So sure. uh, you you do have to be selective on who you get feedback from. And and I also think it's important as a leader to find help and ask for feedback. I think sometimes when we get up, you know, we, we get on an island and we're like, okay, well, I'm supposed to know everything. No, you're not. You're not right. supposed to know everything. Like, you know, the battlefield changes. I mean, look at the environment today, right? The battlefield, every, every, everything's different from the time, David, you and I came in the military till now. Like, it's, you know, it's, um, it's completely different. I see that one army commercial. I love it. It's a, a drill instructor and he's asking these recruits like, what do you want to be? I want to be a warrior. I want to be this. And he asked this one recruit, what do you want to be? I want to be a graphic designer. And he said, you, you came in the world's greatest military to be a graphic designer. Outstanding. Right <laughs> now, now when I was a drill instructor at Fort Benning, Georgia in 1991, no one was saying they wanted to be a graphic no, designer. No. That conversation would not have gone that way. <laughs> number one, we didn't even know what that was back in, you know, 1991. And number two, it would not have gone that way. Right. <laughs> right. But my, but my point is, is, is it's all part of that. And it's all helping leaders with their development because life is changing and people understand. Um, not too long ago, I told a professional coach, we were talking about a player and he was like, he was like, you know, I need this guy to, you know, play for the logo on the front of the Jersey. And I said, coach, he's not playing for the logo on the front of his Jersey. He's playing for his name on the back. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but he needs to, he needs to take that. He needs to put it in his place. And, and the coach was like, I didn't really think of it that way. I said, exactly. 
Mm -hmm. I said, you know, he's talented. He can help you win. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Doesn't mean he, he, he doesn't want to be, he's not going to give a hundred percent effort, but everybody does it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody joins the military for different reasons. Everybody goes into business for different reasons. Right. So, mm -hmm. so you have to, you have to, as a leader, you have to understand what those concepts are. Right. And, and the last thing I'll end on this is sometimes when you ask leaders for adjustment to open themselves up, they immediately think you want them to lower your standards. And I'm like, no, yeah. you don't have to lower your standard. Right? That's the first, but you have to understand that like life is changing. Here's a big one. I'm talking to executives right now, right? Many schools, uh, kids aren't going back to school. Right. Yeah. So now what? So now you have a parent that's working for you that now also has to help teach their child. Right. Mm -hmm. So you better find a way that, that, that they can do that. Right. You might have to flex their schedule. Yeah. Right. That, that, that parent might have to come to work for three hours, go home and help their child for three hours and come back to work or, or a day's flex. Right. These are all things we have to think about. Like, because, or what are you going to do? You're going to lose a good employee. They're going to be all stressed out because their, their children aren't getting properly educated. So you, you, you better find a way through this. Mm -hmm. Right. This is whole new territory. We're in whole new territory facing that same problem. Whole new territory. David, you saw it in Iraq. Like it, you know, I was in Afghanistan, you were in Iraq. Like it, it changed every single day. Yep. Right. <laughs> like, and just as you can just try to adapt as best you can, as fast as you can. That's all sure. you can do. Don't worry about shit that you can't, you know, the things that you can't control. Right. Focus on what you can do and what you can control and get it done. Exactly. So I know we're running out of time. I want to ask you one more question here. I sure. saw you actually asked this at a conference uh, last year where you're speaking to uh, a group of people and you asked, uh, when you think of great leaders throughout history, who are three people come to mind and why? I wanted to ask and see what your answers would be today. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, I always look at, like I really valued uh, President Ronald Reagan and the things he did as president and one of the things that he was a very timely person. Like, he did not like meetings to go along. And, um, you know, so he said, you know, if this meeting is going to take 15 minutes, that's how long it's going to take. You better put everything in it, right? Because he did not like to keep people waiting. And of course, you know, in those type of uh, positions, you know, they don't have five minutes in their day. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, so I, I liked a lot of his philosophies. Um, obviously, I talked about Dwight D. Eisenhower, and you know, you look at Eisenhower. You know, um, he maybe didn't get all the pomp and circumstance that maybe MacArthur did, right? MacArthur was kind of the you know, the, the big, bold giant, even, even, even George Patton, but, but Eisenhower, you know, found a way and, uh, you know, he found a way to, um, you know, have, have a, you know, a, a million men and women under his charge mm -hmm. and, 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 and find a way to, to do things strategically. And uh, the last I will use uh, my mom and dad and obviously my sisters. Um, they were very, very successful. Mom and dad are past, but, you know, worked hard and, you know, middle-class family to teach us values. And I learned a lot of that. Both my sisters, very, very successful. And uh, I look at their, 
Um, I look at their ability to have a high IQ and a high EQ. And I think that if you can continue to put that together, uh, educate yourself, uh, then you'll be successful. That's great. So uh, once you, you got your book, copy of your book there, hold it up. I and do. Tell people where they can find it. So my book, Warrior Leadership, Steps to Success for Leaders on the Ground, you can go right on my website at JBS. <laughs> oh, nice. Good. You could go uh, right on my website at, at JBSleaders.com and buy it or on Amazon. And the last thing I'll tell your listeners is if you want to ask me a question, go right on Instagram at JBSpeso, DM me, ask me a question, I'll answer it. Okay? So I'll get right back to you. I'll try to help you out. And if you need help, I'm here for you. Thanks, JB. Thank you again for being on the show with us today. I had a great time. Uh, way, this was a, a, we were so excited about this. So Yeah, great. It was great meeting you. I, I'm going to reach out to you. I want to talk about leadership training. So please. Mm -hmm. please, please do. Well, it was great to have you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on here. I appreciate all that you do. Let's keep it going. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, uh, last thing I'll tell leaders is take a minute to do some mindfulness every single day, right? Um, that means just take five or 10 minutes for yourself, you know, sit over a cup of coffee, whatever you have to do, you know, put some healthy reading or some healthy thoughts into your body. Start your day inspired. That's awesome. Great. Thanks, JB. So Very uh, awesome. that's going to wrap up the show for us today, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at roofconnections at roofconnect.com. Uh, we also just to let you know we're recording this episode on video and we will post it to our YouTube channel as well. You just search Roof Connections Podcast, it'll come up, or JB, you can look him up on there. He's all over. He, you find videos of him speaking at conferences. He's been on a couple episodes of Spit and Chicklets. I've seen those before yeah, with, the, with the hockey guys. Those crack yeah. me up, by the way. Yeah, they're great. So, but uh, thanks for joining us um, and we'll see you next time, guys. Have thanks. a wonderful day. Thanks, guys. Thanks.